Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us here on The Rescue, where you will hear Brother Dewey Dewar preaching in the Word of God concerning the last days and events that are in our world today, leading to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Most importantly, that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And now, here is your speaker, Brother Dewey Dewar. As we're looking into Revelations, and Revelations is the revealing Word of God for the last days of this world as we see it. But this world will not end with the end of tribulation time, and that will be after God has destroyed all wicked people, and then the world begins with a thousand years of perfect world. And those who are born-again Christians that are still alive at this time will be going into 1,000 years of a perfect world. And then at the end of that 1,000 years, we will learn that Satan is released. During this 1,000 years, the devil himself is put into the lake of fire, into a pit, and then all those that follow him will be put into the lake of fire later on. He will be chained in hell and his place, the pit, and then he will be loosed for a moment and everyone that's on this earth during this millennial reign will be given a choice again to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior or Satan. Oddly enough, man is still dissatisfied with all the wonderful things that God gave him just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But what happens is Satan will influence billions, influence billions to follow him and they will be destroyed and they will go and be cast into the lake of fire to be there forever and ever. At the great white throne judgment this happens that everyone who has not received Jesus Christ from the beginning of our world, beginning of time, that this world was constructed, will be cast into the lake of fire for one reason. One. Because they would not believe in God. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They would not believe in the death, burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and His precious redeeming blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. Today we're looking at chapter 8 of Revelations and we Christians will not be here during this time of these terrible judgments of God, but we do need to relate them to the people of the world what's going to happen in the very near future. As we looked at the beginning of tribulation time in chapter 6 of Revelations, we saw a man come on the scene called the Antichrist. And the Antichrist was one who was pretending that he was Christ. He was a counterfeit, just like a counterfeit dollar bill. You could hardly tell the difference. And you could only tell if you had the wisdom of God. And that's every born-again Christian has the wisdom of God. We will not see this Antichrist, but we'll see his forerunners, which is happening today, right now. And in our world, in our country, we're seeing the forerunners of the Antichrist setting up the system for the Antichrist to come. Then we will see terrible wars break out in the second seal. Then famine in the third seal, tremendous like nothing we've ever seen or anyone's ever seen upon this earth. Then fourth, we'll see one-fourth of the people upon the earth killed 
by death and hell, then we see the persecutions of those people on earth who has not heard the word of God and will have a chance to come to Jesus during that time and they, most of them will be killed. <clears throat> and then we'll see tremendous earthquakes. And just before the chapter 8 of the beginning of the Trump judgments, we have a seventh seal that's opened. And we spoke about that before. There's a great silence in heaven. Everything comes to a halt in heaven. Billions of angels and people that are there right now and that were taken there before this tribulation starts. Every Christian is going to be taken off this earth before tribulation starts. There was a silence for about a half an hour. And the awesome thing that we were seeing that the people in heaven were looking at the earth and the judgments to come upon this earth because of a rebellious earth, the people up on the earth, they're seeing this thing. And it's so awesome that even the angels and everyone in heaven was complete silence watching the judgments, the wrath of God come upon the world because of the refusal their refusal to respect and honor God for who he is and ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. They did not believe. Believe is a key word. You must believe in Jesus Christ and his finished works on Calvary's cross, his precious blood. You must believe that his blood redeems you from the penalty of sin and the penalty of sin is death. We have a world today full of preachers and Christians who preach everything but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what redeems man. You must believe that that sacrifice, that that body of Christ that was crucified on Calvary's cross, his body was given. He gave his body. They didn't kill him. He gave his body as a perfect sacrifice, shed his blood because God the Father demanded payment for sins. God the Son went to Calvary's cross and paid for the price of sin for everyone on this earth if they believed in his finished works on Calvary's cross. And that is the shed blood. That was the sacrifice element that was taken back to heaven and placed on the altar of God that we could be redeemed if we believe that. If we don't believe it, you're going to go to hell. You say, how do you know all this, Dewey? Well, I'm a born-again Christian, April 27, 1980. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I believed in his finished works on Calvary's cross. I believed that his shed blood redeemed me from the penalty of sin. But over in 1 Thessalonians, in the fifth chapter, just before that, let's read the good part about the Christian when you become a Christian. It shows that you will not be here when the judgments of God come upon this earth. We will be raptured out of this earth, taken off of this earth before this Antichrist is revealed and his 666 mark, which is the death mark, he will demand that everyone on the earth receive it. But here's what happens before this man is revealed. How do you know he's going to be revealed and we'll be gone? Well, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12. He who now let it will let until he's taken out of the way. And then the evil one is revealed. Who is this he? He's the Holy Spirit of God. He's the third member of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Three persons but one God. But the Holy Spirit has things under control down here. It's, it's no, nothing that God ain't got under control. 
But then he restrains all of the actions of Satan till this very moment. And then the Christians which are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God, everyone that's born again, Jesus said, I'll send you another comforter. He'll be in you and with you always. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And we will go with him to heaven. Then all hell breaks loose on earth. You think you're having hard times now with all the floods, all the hurricanes, all the tornadoes, all the earthquakes, and all the things that's happened upon this earth? Just wait until the first seal is open. Chapter 6 of Revelations, God didn't hide nothing from you. He revealed it, revealed it through the prophet John the Revelator, and he told you exactly. We're seeing the previews of the soon coming catastrophe of our earth that's why I'm preaching to you today to show you what's going to happen to you, lost men. You're going to go in tribulation if you have heard the Word of God, you refuse it, you're going to believe this lie, this Antichrist system. You can't deny that it's not here. It's here right now. We're using 666 in the purchase of other product that we use in our life. Everything we're doing. The mark barcode, the barcode, it starts with a six, middle six, and then ends with a six. Everything that you buy is already marked. And then the Holy Spirit that indwells every born-again Christian, He takes the Christians off there. And you have not been saved. You have believed that you're good enough to go to heaven, but you didn't trust in the blood and the finished works of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. You're going to go into the tribulation time and you're going to be lost and you're going to hell. I'm trying to get you to save your life. I'm trying to get you to understand you're going to go to hell. These pity, pa pity patchers or whatever you call them, these uh, Mickey Mouse preachers who don't preach on the blood, doesn't, don't want to preach on revelation, don't preach on the things, the judgments of God, they're trying to get you to go to hell. They'll probably go too. If they're saved, then they'll have to they'll have to repent before God the Father as they face Him face on because they did not trust in the Word of God. They trust in their goodness. They may be going to heaven, but they're going to have an awful price to pay when they face God face to face. But Revelations chapter 8, I'm going to show you before that. I would not have you ignorant, brother. Now this is Paul talking to the Christians, to the people who are supposed to be telling people how not to go to hell. The penalty of sin is hell. The goodness of God, God loves everyone on this earth. But you can't get into hell in heaven by love. You've got to be born again. The penalty of sin must be paid for. God loved His Son so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But God is showing the Christians in 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, he said, I would not have you ignorant, brother, concerning them which are asleep, as you not, saw or not, even as others which have no hope. Others which have no hope are those who are not born again, who will not believe in Jesus Christ and his shed blood on Calvary's cross. Believe. You must believe in your heart that God is God, that God was crucified on Calvary's cross. You must believe in his shed blood, Jesus Christ, who was crucified on Calvary's cross. 
If you don't believe it, you can pray all you want to. You can say all you want to. You can dance all you want to. You can give all the money you want to, but you'll go to hell unless you believe in Him. Jesus said, Paul was saying there, he says, for if we believe that Jesus died and arose again, even so them which, uh, which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this is this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive, this generation, not the next generation, he said, when you see all the signs in the Bible that he wrote down in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all the different portions of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, when you see the signs of him coming, then watch. This generation shall not pass until all these things are fulfilled, and they're fulfilled. It's ready for the Lord to come any second. He may come while I'm talking to you. That's why I'm preaching to you about hell and the lake of fire, the penalty of sin must be paid for. And you've got to pay it or you've got to trust in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in Jesus and ask Him to come in your heart. But He said, hell is a place of fire, a lake of fire afterwards is the punishment. Could you imagine where you're standing? A building engulfed with flames and you're inside of there and there's no way to get out but one door. One door and you refuse to go out that door. That door would be Jesus and Jesus would give you a way to come out. But you remember, he pointed out, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven a lot of people say, well, there ain't no rapture in the Bible. They sure isn't. But it says the Lord shall descend from heaven and with the shout of an archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which remain, which we are alive and remain, shall be caught up. Caught up into the heavens with Jesus Christ. We caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord Jesus Christ so that so shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort you one another. That's the most comforting thing there is, that one day that I and every born-again Christian would be caught up very soon could happen this second just like that. And we'll meet Jesus in there. We'll be in heaven for the seven years and hell breaks out on this earth as described in Revelations, starting at chapter 6. How do I know this? Listen closely. Chapter 5. He said that for when they shall say peace and safety. Remember what's happening to your newspaper, your evil news media that are amplifying the antichrist system. Remember what they're saying over in Bosnia, over in all kinds of Africa and Syria, all the different places in Israel, everywhere we're sending the UN nations. The UN nation, yeah, United Nations, consists mostly of the US nation. But anyway, we're stomping out, stamping out all these little wars. We want peace. We want the safety. So when they, the world, cries peace and safety, then, then, sudden destruction come upon who? The world, them. 
as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Those who have refused the Lord Jesus Christ in his message, if you refuse what I preach today, that's up to you. You'll be accountable to God for every word that every Christian has ever said to you about the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. If a Christian doesn't preach to you the blood as being the redeeming part, then you will not believe properly. You must believe in your heart that the blood of Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary's cross was the propitiation for you that you might be saved. His perfect blood, His perfect sacrifice on Calvary's cross made a way that you could go to heaven. You refuse it, just like the burning house. There was the door, and you said, no, I'm going to find another door over here, over there, over there. But you'll burn. You'll be cooked inside of that house because you would not proceed out that door. Jesus said in John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. So by going into Jesus, into his righteousness, you can be saved just by believing, believing in his finished works on Calvary's cross, believing in his shed blood. You won't have to go to this simulated hell that you're seeing on your screen, the volcanic lava that burns everything inside. You say, well, I'll burn up. No. You will feel every pain, every sickness, and every sorrow throughout eternity in hell and the lake of fire. How did I know this? Because I'm looking at the 1611 King James Version, the, the authentic Word of God. Not some watered-down Bible. Get away from them. Stay with the King James. It is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit of God tells you that this is truth. I don't have to take secondhand information. I take information straight from God's mouth. He told these prophets to pin down the Word of God so that I could relate it and every born again Christian could relate to you, lost man, what is going to happen to a world and what's going to happen to you unless you believe in Jesus. You're going to go to hell and then to the lake of fire. But look again, here's why God said that I can tell you Here's a little hillbilly from Kentucky that amounts to nothing. But in the eyes of God, I'm giving people the words of God with truth, with the power of God and truth because it's pinned down for me to tell you how not to go to hell. But listen closely. For when they shall say peace and safety and then sudden destruction come upon them, the world, the unbelievers as in travail upon a woman when, with child, and they shall not escape. There's no escape. When you've heard the Word of God and refuse it, you're going to believe a lie. If this tribulation starts at chapter 6 of Revelation, you're going to believe this Antichrist. You're going to say, there's my Savior. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a killer. He's stealing your soul. And if you believe it, if you believe the world system today and do not trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're going to go to hell unless, unless you turn to Jesus. How do I know all this? He says just a little further. Let's look down to verse 5, chapter 5 of 1 uh, Thessalonians. Ye are all children of light. That's the born-again Christians. And the children of the day, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others sleep, 
but let us watch and be sober for they that sleep the lost man does know Jesus he that sleeps in the night they that be drunken are drunken in the night but let us who are of the day the born again Christian sees through the word of God the reality that's going to happen to you that's why I'm crying out to you to save your soul and you can do it faith come by hearing hearing by the word of God for over the first chapter of John John said as many as received Jesus God told him to pin it down as many as received him Jesus Christ to them gave he the power to become the sons of God but he told the Christian said let us who are of the day that's the born-again Christians only a born-again Christian can read this Bible and understand it the rest of people tries to compromise tries to tell you a logical way of salvation there is no logical way to understand the Word of God the Holy Spirit of God informs persons and the Holy Spirit speaks through a born-again Christian telling you the major thing the major thing of the complete Bible is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ the redeeming power that gives you the right to be a born-again Christian but you must believe it if you don't believe it then the wrath of God that we're going to read just in a minute is coming up on you and you'll be killed in the, probably in the first three and a half years of this tribulation and the wrath of God that comes upon this earth in the first part in the first three and a half years in the fourth seal one fourth of the people are killed now we're over to the Trump judgments greater punishment continuing upon this earth yet men refuse they refuse to believe the wrath of God they refuse to believe the terror of God that is on this earth now but it will increase with such, such tremendous strength that you will know you will know but you will not understand there's one thing to know the Word of God but it's another to understand the Word of God we got many people who are scholars in, uh, in knowing the Word of God but they are fools because they do not understand the Word of God the only way that you can understand the Word of God is by believing in Jesus Christ his death his burial his resurrection but you must believe in the blood that was the perfect sacrifice that you might be saved as we look at some of the things that's going to happen just one right after another you've seen these catastrophes on our earth wars rumors of wars hurricanes tornadoes every kind of destruction floods it's unbelievable destroying millions and millions of acres of land but very few people the long-suffering God has been lenient with this world but the wrath is coming and if you don't believe in Jesus and you don't trust in his precious blood and, and that he was shed on Calvary's cross that he was crucified for you his blood is the sacrifice you're going to see every bit of this you're going to go to hell that's the worst part and the smoke of the incense chapter 8 verse 4 and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayer of the saints as ascended up before God out of the angels hands now that the Christians in heaven are praying for you and the first trump 
that God, as the angel sounded the first trump, a third of all the earth was on fire. And a third of the trees was all burned. And all green grass. Imagine beginning of all the greatest famine because nothing to eat. Then the second trump destroyed one-third of all the ships that were in the seas. One-third of all the fish was dead. And one-third of the sea was filled with blood. The third trump, the poison of your drinking water. One-third of all the water on the earth that you have for drinking water is poisoned. Then on the fourth trump, one-third of the sun, the moon, and the stars were darkened. And then the fifth trump. This is the one. We'll start that the very next sermon. Five months of torture where you can't die. Five months you can't even die. And God said, in order for you to escape, you must believe, as we close, believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in His precious blood that was sacrificed on Calvary's cross. And then ask him to come in your heart. Dear God, I believe. And then pray. I'm a sinner, Lord. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. I believe in your death, your burial, your resurrection. Jesus, come into my heart. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. I believe in your finished works on Calvary's cross.
Matthew 24. And Jesus went out, and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him, for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars, and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. 
For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass, till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came, and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 
then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day, when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When I see leaves falling, I know winter's coming. When flowers are blooming, I know there's a spring. For the seasons abide by the word he has given. Now signs are appearing. For Jesus to come I'm looking for Jesus My soon coming King I know He's returning Like a bird on a wing It may be at morning, but he may come tonight. I want to be ready to go, let my soul take its flight. The trumpet will sound for the joy of that moment. My soul hears his footsteps, and I look toward the sky. My heart beats with rapture as the Spirit speaks to me, saying, Lift up your head, for my coming is nigh. I'm looking for my soon coming King I know He's returning Like a bird on the wing It may be at morning But He may come tonight to be real. 
ready to go Let my soul take its flight I want to be ready to go Let my soul take its flight This is Pastor Billy R. Douglas. I want to invite you to stay with us for the next few moments as we go into the sanctuary of Voice of the Lord Tabernacle and we share with you a sermon on the topic of hell. At the end of the sermon, I want to ask you the most important question that you'll ever answer in this life. And we will also give you our contact information because we would love to hear from you. It is our prayer that this sermon will be a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. I want to talk to you this morning about a subject that has long been forgotten by the modern day church. I was reading last night and... There was a man on there that was talking about a church. It was a Presbyterian church, and I say that only because that's all I remember about the church. This could be a Pentecostal church or a Holiness church or a Baptist church. I'm not throwing that name out there to down that denomination. But Brother Bill, this church had been in existence for 30 or 40 years, and this pastor went back through the logs because they kept a log of every Sunday morning sermon, every sermon that had been preached in that church over the last 30 or 40 years. So this new pastor goes back to see the subjects that had been dealt with. And in those 30 or 40 years, he noticed one staggering fault, Brother Bill. Not one time had one pastor that they had ever had preached on hell. Forty years in the same church and never heard about hell. Joel Osteen said on Larry King Live, his church of 30,000 people, he said, I don't preach on hell. I leave that to someone else. Oh God. A subject that Jesus spoke on, he thought it was important. And I want us this morning, if the Lord will allow me, to go to Luke, the 16th chapter, and the 19th verse, talking for a few minutes this morning on the subject, a cry from hell. This story that we are about to read is an actuality. It is not a parable. Jesus gives names. He gives the name of the beggar. He says, a certain rich man... This was not just a made-up story, Brother Sleece, to try and teach them a lesson. This was something that happened. Jesus said in Luke 16 and 9, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And before you say, Oh, Brother Billy, we've heard that, and we've heard that, and we've heard that. You need to hear it again this morning. Amen. The church needs to hear it again this morning. The church needs to come back to the reality that there is a hell. And there are millions of souls going there today. Millions of souls. And this story today is just as real as it was whenever Jesus stood on the sandy shores of Galilee or wherever it was He was giving this sermon. There was a certain rich man which was clothed with purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. He had a good life. 
He had everything that he wanted. No doubt there were men that envied him. That wished, Brother Mike, they could have what this man had. They watched him as he walked by in his fine linen and his robes. They thought, I would love to be that man. I wish I was that man. Honey, I guarantee you, none of them today envy that man. None of them today, but they did then, Brother Bill. He fared sumptuously every day. He had everything that life had to offer. But there was another man, a man that would not fit into the prosperity gospel doctrine for today because he was a beggar, Brother Bill, covered with sores that laid at this rich man's gate. The Bible says there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. Now there is no one that walked past that house, walked past that gate that thought, well, I really want to be that beggar. I would love to lay there all day covered in bowls and have the dogs lick my sores and be starving to death and nothing but flesh and bones. I'd really love to be that. No one envied this man. But I guarantee you they envy him today. You see, we cannot look upon this life and, and, and lust after the pleasures and the, and the wealth thereof. We must look farther than this life because this is not it, folks. It is still ahead. This is not it. Amen? Hallelujah, Brother Bill. If you went out here today, no doubt you could go out here and find a sinner, someone that does not know the Lord, who you know the same age as me, and you'd be surprised how much we have in common that we've went through in our life. There have been bad times. There have been good times. There have been trials. There have been mountaintops. There have been valleys. There have been times where you didn't know where you was going to get the next nickel or didn't, didn't know where you was going to get the next money to pay your bill. And there have been times whenever you had the bills paid and you was feeling pretty good. And Brother Bill, people might look at Lazarus this morning and look at that rich man and they might say it's vain to serve this God. It's vain to have faith in this God. David said in the book of Psalms, looking at the wicked and seeing them prosper would have caused my foot to slip. But David said, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Their end. Their end. This life is a vapor. It appeareth for a little time that it vanisheth away. But what then? What then? What happens to your soul? What happens to the soul of your neighbor when they take their last breath is the most important thing that you could think upon this morning. The Bible goes on to say that this beggar named Lazarus, he was full of sores desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. None envied this life. None would have traded places with him. Yet we will find in a few verses that this rich man that fared sumptuously, this rich man that had everything, would gladly have traded places with the beggar at the door. Hallelujah. Listen to this, church. What a chilling story this is. I wish I could give this to you this morning the way that the Lord gave it to me as I sat at my desk last night and I sobbed. 
and cried as I read and God began to give me a glimpse of what Jesus is saying here in this story. My, 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 it's time that the church got stirred up enough about the souls that are dying and going to hell. Stirred up enough to witness. Stirred up enough to pray. Stirred up enough to fast. Stirred up enough to give even whenever it's a sacrifice to give. Hallelujah, listen to this. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died. You see, it's appointed that a man wants to die. Whether you're a beggar or whether you're a king, whether you're a rich man or whether you are a pauper this morning, sooner or later you are going to be dead. Brother Bruce, it says that this beggar died. And it says he was carried by the angels <laughs> into Abraham's bosom. Then it says the rich man also died and was buried. He was buried. Oh God, there were no angels to escort him into the bosom of Abraham. There were no angels. I was reading a testimony of someone that he was a doctor, a cardiologist, and he was trying to save a person that was laying there dying. And Brother Mike probably knows his name. We've talked about the guy before. Yeah, Maurice Rollins. And he said that this person was screaming and crying, Brother Bill, that they were slipping into a devil's hell. And he said there is no way that you could have seen the look of horror on their face and not realize that hell is real. Hell is real. It's more than a slang word this morning, amen. It's more than a joke this morning, amen. Hell is real. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Both of them are eternal. And the decision you make in this life depends upon where you will spend eternity. Your eternity depends upon the choice that you make in this life. The beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and was buried. He died and was buried. Somebody tell me what happens next. And in hell, in hell he lifted up his eyes. Don't tell me that that rich man wouldn't give a thousand times over to change places with this old beggar that he spit on, this old beggar that he'd walked past, this old beggar that he had made fun of, this old beggar that he couldn't have anything to do with for the bill. You see, the Jews... They thought that financial gain was favor with God. And that if you were poor, if you were a, a beggar, it was a curse from God. Does that sound familiar to you this morning of anything that you'll hear across the television whenever you turn it on? See, Jesus even here was coming against the prosperity gospel. This rich man that had everything that life had to offer now finds himself in hell. And the Bible says that he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Notice this morning, church, it didn't just say that he was in torment. It says that he was in torments. Not just tormented, but multitudes and multitudes of torments. Separation from God. Can you imagine what a torment that is? The absence of God, no God. 
There is no hope where there is no God. There is no peace where there is no God. There is no love where there is no God. There is no forgiveness where there is no God. He no longer had the loving embrace of his family or his friends, Brother Bill. He was separated. He was cut off. And listen to me, sinner. When you get to hell, you will not throw a big party like you're planning on. Amen. I've heard people say, well, plenty of my friends will be there. We'll have a party when I get there. There will be no party going on in hell. There will be no joy in hell. There will be no mercy in hell. There will be no more chance for you to come to the altar. There will be no more. You can call out for mercy and you will. You will cry out for God's mercy and His forgiveness and His love, but it will not come. Oh God, it will not come. Listen to this. Hallelujah. And He cried. Oh, let me back up a little bit. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, can you imagine being in hell and being able to see what you missed? Can you imagine being able to look over into God's holy hill and to watch Him wipe all tears from their eyes and to see that beggar that no longer was full of sores but had a new body and was different than he was before. He no longer was skin and bones, Brother Bill. He had peace, joy, love, and he had a new body. Health like he had never known before. And when this rich man looks over, he sees this. He sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. He didn't need anyone to introduce him or to tell him who, him who Abraham was or where Lazarus was at. So that lets me know that the man had some kind of knowledge in the life before that there was a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Not one time in this story, Sister Jessica, will you find this rich man asking why he is there. He knows why he is there. He knows what he missed. He knows where he's at. And he begins to cry for mercy. He begins to cry for mercy. Oh, but church, there is no mercy in hell. There is no mercy in hell. They will cry, please God, give me one more altar call. Please God, let that preacher talk to me one more time. Please, God, give me one more Sunday. I kept saying I'm going to go next Sunday. I kept saying I'm going to make it right later. Please, God, give me just a little bit more time. But there is no hope there, Brother Bill. There is no mercy there. He cries for mercy and there is none. Let me hear from that preacher one more time. That guy that I called crazy. Let me hear from him. Give me one more chance. There will be no altar call in hell. There will be no forgiveness found in hell. Somebody lift up your hands this morning. Somebody lift up your hands this morning and say, God, give me a burden for lost souls. Wake me up today, God. Stir my soul. Stir my soul. Oh, God.
I beg you today, church, while you've got a chance and while they've got a chance, take the time to send somebody a card. Take the time to let your light show. Take the time to witness to somebody. Take the time to love somebody. Take the time to show somebody the way of salvation while they still have a chance this morning. Because all the prayers you pray for them once they're in hell will not do them any good. All the prayers that they pray once they are in hell will not do them any good. Take the time, church, to find you a place and get on your knees and call out to God to save the lost souls before it's eternally too late. Oh God, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. You see, there are no unbelievers in hell. There are no atheists in hell. Because now they believe. But it's too late. It's too late, Brother Rodney. There is no salvation in hell. There is no place for repentance in hell. Listen to this. Oh, my Lord, he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. There is a lack of water in hell. There is a thirst beyond imagination in hell. You see, in life this man quenched his thirst with everything that the world had to offer. And now he feels that thirst because it left him dry and empty and void. And when he got to hell, he realized just what it was that he was missing. Let him dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. This is the beggar that he had no time for. This is the beggar that was covered with sores. This was the beggar that was filthy and, was, and no one even wanted to touch him. Now he says, let him take his finger and dip it in water and let him cool my tongue with it. He ain't so picky when he's in hell. Amen. He's not so judgmental once he reaches hell. Let him dip his finger in the water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. I'm tormented in this flame. If we could realize... If we could get a glimpse of hell this morning, Sister Nancy, we wouldn't mind so much to pray. It wouldn't bother us so much for the meal to fast for souls. It wouldn't bother us so much to stand before people and ask for their help even when they're going to criticize you and call you a money preacher. Honey, they can talk about me if they want to, but I, I must. I cannot stop. I have to and I will ask for your help to reach lost souls that are on their way to dying and going to a devil's hell. I cannot stop. If you don't want to hear it, you need to walk away. I cannot stop. Because this same rich man that we read about this morning, 2,000 years later, is still in the same devil's hell that he was when Jesus told this story. And there are people dying and going there every day. But Abraham's response to him was this. 16 and 25. Son, remember... 
Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest the good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, and now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. He said, remember. You see, one of the torments of hell is going to be perfect memory. Hallelujah. The lost are going to remember. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You're going to remember the altar calls that you sat through and didn't go to the altar. You're going to remember the times that Jesus knocked on your heart's door but you refused to open. You're going to remember the times that the preacher tried to talk to you about Jesus but you just snubbed Him and walked away. You're going to remember... You may not be able to remember the words of amazing grace now, but you will when you get to hell. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You will long for that experience, but it is too late. These words will haunt you. These images will haunt you. Abraham said, remember, son. Remember your life. Remember the opportunities that you had. But now it's too late. It's too late. And besides all of this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. You ain't never going to get out. There's no escape. There's no escape, Brother Bill, from hell. There's no way of getting out of there. People that would want to come to you can't, and you who want to get out of there cannot. There is no escape. Then listen to what he said. He turns his focus off of himself. When he finds out, Brother Bill, that there's no more mercy to be found for him. No forgiveness. No altar to repent at. He remembers his family. He no longer turns it, the attention to within himself. But he says, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Oh God. Send them a preacher. There will be, there's no more. Oh, just keep that preacher away from my family. He was crying and begging, please send somebody to my family so they don't come to this, so they don't come to this godless, terrible, awful, undescribable place. Send them a preacher. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I don't want them to come here. Please send someone to warn them. Abraham's answer to him was, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. The rich man in agony my family's going to end up here and I can't do anything about it. 
It's like being deaf and dumb or and not having no physical ability whatsoever and seeing your loved ones headed toward an eternal flame and you can't stop them, you can't warn them, you can't tell them, don't come to this place where I'm at. I was wrong. Don't follow me. Don't do what I did. There's no way I can help my family. What a torment that is. Because you'll remember your kids. You'll remember mama. You'll remember daddy. You'll remember your friends, Brother Bill, and you'll be wishing with everything that's within your being, please don't let them come here. But there's nothing you can do to stop it. Oh, maybe if in my lifetime, if I'd have gotten right with God, if I'd have made things right, I could have warned them then. But now here I am in this place of torment and I can do nothing to keep them from coming to this place. Nothing. I believe with all my heart there is millions of voices that ascend up from the pit of the damned today that plead, please warn my family. I believe today from the pits of the damned, from an eternal hell, there are souls that cry out for Joel Osteen to please tell my family of this awful place. Please warn my family not to come to this place. They cry out for the church. They cry out for you, Brother Bill. They cry out for you, Brother Rodney. You, Brother Sleeves. They cry out for us. Tell somebody not to come to this awful place. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it. But it is real today. If you do not believe in hell and its eternal damnation and torment, then you do not believe the words of Jesus because He taught on this and preached on this more than any of the rest of them. You cannot preach the message of Jesus and leave this out. Listen to this. Listen to what Abraham told him. Let them hear Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And the rich man's response was, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, then they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, if they will not believe the word of God and my servants, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. And you might sit there this morning and think, well, they might have been. And if you remember just a few verses or just a few chapters after this, somewhere along the lines there, the book of John, Jesus would raise a man from the dead by the name of Lazarus. Not this same Lazarus, but He would raise him from the dead with a bill. Did it cause the Pharisees to believe? You know what the Pharisees wanted to do? They sought to put Lazarus to death. The one come from the dead, if they don't believe my word, if they don't believe the testimony of my son, they're not going to believe the one comes to them from the dead. There is a cry this morning that comes out of the pits of hell for us to reach the lost. There is a cry this morning that comes from the throne of God. Do you remember? God's Word tells us in Mark 16 and 15 to go into all the world and to take the Gospel to every creature. 
Luke 14 and 23, the Lord sent His servants out into the highways and the hedges to compel them to come in. There is a cry this morning from the pits of hell. There is a cry this morning from the throne of God. The fields are wide into harvest, but the labors are few. Tell them about hell. Tell them about hell. Tell them about hell. And there is a cry this morning, even though you can't see it unless you look. Oh, you may not, they may not ask you in words. They may, I, I talked to a man yesterday over to Home Depot, and he began to tell me, Brother Bill, of his business and how it was prospering, and he began to tell me how things were going right. And I stood there and I listened to what he had to say. I let him have the floor until God opened the door. And when he did, I said, oh, now, this is what I want to talk to you about. The most important thing in this life is your relationship with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And I said that to say this. The world cries out for help today. Oh, they put on a facade. They make it look like everything's okay. But if you really look, you can see the pain in their face and the emptiness in their eyes and the fact that they do not have the missing piece. They do not have Jesus. You will realize today that their soul cries out for your help. For your help. You say, Brother Billy, is it worth it today? All the hours. Is it worth the work? Is it worth the prayers? Is it worth the sermons? Is it worth the radio ministry? Is it worth the newsletter? Is it worth the CDs? And I tell you this morning, ask that rich man. Ask that rich man. If he had have been reached, ask him, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Hallelujah. Is it worth it today? You better believe it's worth it. You better believe it's worth it. The church needs to be reminded that there is a hell. The church needs to be reminded that there is a hell today. You may think today, well, all that trouble ain't worth it Well, for just a few. Well, that depends on whether you're one of the few. Amen. That depends on whether you're one of the few. It ain't worth doing all that for one soul. Well, that depends whether you're that one soul. You can't put a price on that. Jesus described hell as this, and I'm trying to close. Fire, everlasting fire, eternal damnation, hell fire, damnation of hell, a furnace of fire, a fire that shall never be quenched, the fire that is not quenched, where the worm dieth not, wailing and gnashing of teeth, and on and on and on. He describes outer darkness. He preached on hell and he used strong words like this. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And she'll cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He used such strong words as, It is better for thee to enter life maimed than having two hands and to go into hell. He tells us the story of the rich man. 
He tells us that the smoke of their torments ascended up forever and forever. And they have no rest day or night. He would say it this... This, this, he would use words this plain, depart from me into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The Bible says in Matthew 25 and 46 that it is a place of punishment. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 9, it says it's a place of banishment. Mark 9, 42 through 48 describes it as a place of fire and worms. Jude 1 and 13 describes it as a place of darkness. Revelation 20 and 10 says it's a place of torment. Luke 16 and 23 that we just read, it's a place of consciousness and feelings. It is a place of thirst, a place where without hope, a place of no escape, a place of unfulfilled desires and unanswered prayers. 234 times God speaks of His judgment and eternal punishment in the Word of God. But you can't get modern day preachers to mention it in their sanctuary because they're afraid they will offend somebody. Hell is real. Hell is real. And it is eternal. It is eternal this morning. I want, in closing this morning, I want to try and read you something. As I was studying and preparing for this message this morning and trying to find the mind of God, I ran across a preacher who had written several letters that he called Letters from Hell. And I'll tell you this morning that I borrowed a little bit of this from him until the Holy Spirit took over. And as I began to weep and I began to cry and the Spirit of God began to give me a vision of this place, I want to read to you this morning the rich man's letter to his five brethren. If it was possible to write a letter from hell, it might go something like this. To my five dear brethren, I hope this letter finds you in health and happiness. I'm writing to you from a terrible place. I don't want you to come to this awful place of torment. I want to tell you that we believed a lie. We thought having money and the right friends would take us to heaven. By the way, do you remember Lazarus the beggar? What a mess he was as he sat at my gate, skin and bones, full of sores and starving to death. I never had time for someone like that. I always said let the government, let his family take care of him. Yes, we were religious, my brothers. But I want to tell you that you have to accept Jesus to make heaven your home. Amen. What I want to tell you is you must truly be born again. Then your heart is changed and not full of the empty religion that we trusted. Please call on the name of the Lord while there is time. Please don't come to this awful place. This place of torment. I can see Lazarus just beyond the gulf in paradise. He doesn't look sick like he did before. I see no more sores on him. Oh, if I could only just be where he's at instead of this place of woe and endless hopelessness. I can never leave here. It will never change for me. No matter... Where I turn, I see faces 
with eyes full of emptiness and torment. I have seen so many of my friends here, yet in their face I see no more friendliness but emptiness and pain and agony. No more a kind word of friendship do I hear from them, but only screams of the damned. What is 70 years compared to forever? I would trade all of my worldly wealth that I had in my lifetime and lay at the gate with the dogs if I just had one more chance to make it right. Oh God, somebody slip up your hands and worship the Lord this morning. I would trade everything that I had for a life of poverty and sickness if I only had one more chance to make it right. Please, brethren, warn our family to wake up and pray. Don't be lost. Don't come to this awful place. Don't come to where I am. There is no escape. I am forever doomed, cast into outer darkness. I can hear the horrors of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Brother Bill, he would say, I am on fire, yet I won't burn up. I can feel the worms that crawl all over me, yet they will not die in these flames. I cry out and plead with God to let me die, but there is no answer. No hint of His presence, no gentle breeze of His mercy. Only the dry hot wind that burns forever and forever. There is no place of comfort here. The flames, the smoke, the smell of burning flesh. Each tomorrow is like today. Endless torment and pain and darkness. Please, my brethren, don't come to this horrible place. That rich man, you may ask, whatever happened to him? That's been 2,000 years. Where's he at? He's still in that same place today. And if he could write today, he wouldn't write to his brethren because their eternal abode's done been settled. But he would write to you the same words. Don't come to this awful place. Don't come to this place of torment. His plea is the same. Please go tell somebody. Warn somebody. Not to come to this horrible place. Not to come to this horrible place. Oh God. Somebody lift up your hands this morning. And ask God for a burden for souls. Ask God to open up the hearts and the minds and the eyes of His people. To stir us up. To get us concerned enough. To tell somebody about hell. To tell somebody about hell. Church, we must not let the sun set on the souls that will be lost in darkness that we had a chance to reach. Listen to me. We may not be able to reach them all, but we can reach some of them. We may not be able to make a difference, brothers Lee's, in everybody's life, but we can make a difference in some people's life. Something that you say, something that you do, something that you share may keep somebody from going to this awful place. Hallelujah. May keep somebody. So you see why this morning 
that I cannot stop asking for your help. Those that will laugh and mock and turn away, they will answer to God for that. The self-centered church as we know it today that does not want to talk about hell or think about hell or mention hell, they will give an account for that. But we too will give an account if we know about hell and we do not warn people. We do not share the gospel of Jesus with them. You see, we're always talking about there's only one way to heaven, and that is to accept Jesus. There's only one way to hell, and that is to reject Jesus. That is to reject Jesus. Amen. You say, Brother Billy, but a lot of false religion, a lot of things can take you to hell. A lot of sin, yeah, but it all comes down to one thing. You rejected what Jesus did for you on the cross. People are dying and going to hell. We need to get concerned enough about them that we're willing to sacrifice, we're willing to pray, we're willing to do whatever we can do to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you might think that what you do is not much. The devil might tell you there's no way that what you do makes a difference. I'm reminded of a story. There was a man that had, his mother had taken him to church when he was a child, Brother Beal, but in his older life he had gotten away from God, even come to the point of being an atheist. He died and he felt himself begin to slip into hell. He could hear the wails. He could feel the heat getting closer and closer. And he said he didn't know how to call out on God. He didn't didn't even really believe there was a God when he was in this life. But he said he remembered a song that he'd heard his Sunday school teacher sing. No doubt that Sunday school teacher might have walked away that morning thinking, well, the kids was rowdy. I didn't get much done. I don't think I accomplished anything this morning. But this little song that this man remembered that this Sunday school teacher taught them this morning. He said, I didn't know how to pray, but I remembered, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And he said, at that moment, I began to call out on this Jesus that was in this song. And he said, when I begin to call out on Jesus, when I begin to call out on His name, I felt myself no longer descending toward the flames and the horrors that were beneath me. But I felt myself come back into my body and God gave me one more chance at mercy and I accepted Him as Lord and Savior. So you may think today that what you do ain't much. But if you ask that man that was this close to hell, that little Sunday school song, little was much when God was in it. Amen? That little thing, Brother Sleece, that could have been overlooked and said, that ain't nothing. That was the biggest thing in that man's life. He didn't remember how much money he'd made on Wall Street. He didn't remember how how successful his business or marriage was. He remembered a song from Sunday school. And that song... Caused him to get saved. That song caused him to get saved. My, 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 church. Hell is real. And they're crying out for us. 
Tell somebody not to come to this awful place. Do what you can do. Amen. Do what you can do to help get the lost to the cross. Hallelujah. This is Pastor Billy R. Douglas. I want to ask you the most important question that you will ever answer in this life. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Is your faith in Him today and His finished work? Jesus said in John the 14th chapter and the 6th verse, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's only begotten Son died on the cross so that you could be saved. Call on the name of Jesus today. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart and your life. Put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ today. Call upon His name. Don't put it off. Do it today. For none of us are promised tomorrow. If this sermon has been a blessing to you, or if you have made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please contact us today at VOTL Ministries, P.O. Box 541, Livermore, Kentucky, 42352. That's P.O. Box 541, Livermore, Kentucky, 42352. You can also visit us on the internet, voiceofthelordministries.com. That's voiceofthelordministries.com. Or you can call or text 270-313-8753. Thank you for listening, and God bless you. This world has never been in the awful shape it's in. Jesus, take a hold and lead us through Like the ancient Roman Empire This world is doomed to fall And it's much too big a thing for mortal man Just take a look around and see the writing on the wall Somehow we've got to find a helping hand This world has never been in the awful shape it's in And people scorn the things our leaders do It's time a prayer was spoken from the heart of every man Jesus, take a hold and lead us through. The mighty roar of gunfire is now a local sound. And our city streets are filled with angry men. Love is now a mockery throughout our troubled land. Destruction seems to be the current trend This world has never been in the awful shape it's in And people doubt the 
things our leaders do. It's time a prayer was spoken from the heart of every man. Jesus, take a hold and lead us through. This world has never been in the awful shape it's in. And people scorn the things our leaders do. It's time a prayer was spoken from the heart of every man. Jesus, take a hold and lead us through. Jesus, take a hold and lead us through. what she had to say. She said, my brother, all my life I was raised up in church, sang in the choir, even paid my tithes. But somehow or another, I just had to try the world, and I did. And being hard-headed, I followed my so-called friends, and I got myself in so much trouble. And my soul was in such misery. And I began reading Matthew, the 13th chapter, the 21st to 22nd verse. And that's when I fell on my knees and confessed. I said, Father, I am weak. I'm weak. Thou art strong. But from my weakness, Father God, I've done wrong. Since I turn aside, aside for pleasure, somehow or another, many a, day many a days have come and gone. Now my soul, now my soul is in misery. I began to read Romans 10, 9, and I told God to take me back and try me one more time. And he answered my prayer. Now, if you are one that your parents have taught you about Christ, but when you grew up, got a little beside yourself and went back into the world, but mothers and fathers, you don't have a thing to worry about because Jesus said, train a child the way it should go. And when it is old, it will not depart. Then say it one stray, you know, we'll all have made mistakes. But when that child comes to a cross, road in life, they'll remember everything you told them. They'll say, Father, I confess all of my sins to thee. Then merciful God will open up his loving arms He'll take that child back. God knows he'll try them one more time. I hear that child saying to God right now, Father, I am weak. I'm weak. But thou art strong. And from my weakness, from my weakness Father God, I 
Merciful Father, in the name of Jesus, take your child back, take me back, Lord, and try me one more time. And that child kept on saying, in the name of Jesus, 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 try me, Lord, one more time. And God show after that child's prayer. Heaven, such glorious beauty everywhere. Heaven, there's no other place that can compare. Heaven, God's glory fills the air. Heaven, there'll be no more pain and sorrow there. Heaven, no more sickness and death, nor despair. Heaven, the Lamb of God sits on His throne chair. Heaven is the eternal home for the saints the Lord has prepared. If you're on the road to nowhere, separation from a holy God is a living nightmare. Your life may seem hopeless, but Jesus cares. Jesus understands, and He is aware. That's why the cross He did bear. He wants you to become His kingdom heir. Can you trust and believe in the Lord today? If yes, then pray the sinner's prayer. Father in heaven, I know I'm a sinner and have sinned against you. And my sins have separated me from you. Please forgive me for my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe with all my heart that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died on the cross of Calvary that I can be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord. I repent of my sins and I will live and worship you all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And right now, I am born again. I am saved and I am cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.